Hello and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 800 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. My guest today is the brilliant comedian, Mr. Sean McLaughlin. Yes! Hello! Hello! <laughs> How are so you? Good. I'm so grand. I'm so grand. As I told you before we recorded, I uh, I ate my dinner in about seven minutes directly before this. So if I, <laughs> and I've got a, a good microphone set up here, so I apologise if your viewers get a very in-depth sound at my digestive system. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. No and, worries. Uh, um, we're gonna. I'm. I'm gonna interview you for the next forty-five minutes or hour or so, all about your comedy career, and I'd like to go way back to the start and ask you, how did you become a comedian? Um. Well, I started in uh, at university. I went to university in Newcastle, right. and I was just. I started at a perfect time, really. I was a teenager, and I was so desperate to do something. And I was so desperate to, I don't know, be somebody in that way that, you know, you are when you're 19. And I think I'd always loved comedy. I always wanted to do something to do with comedy or writing or something like that. And stand-up just felt like the most accessible thing that I could do. And so I found out that where an open mic night, there was a regular comedy open mic night in a place called the Dog and Parrot in Newcastle, which is still running every week, I think. And I, loads know it. Of I know it well. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to that night? Have you yeah. been to the Tuesday night? Yeah. So many great Northern comics came through there. Um, yeah. And I just started doing that once a, once a month, once every two months. And that's kind of all I did for a few years. I thought, oh, I'll just, this is me becoming a comedian. Then eventually a couple of the people there who ran it uh, told me to get in touch with other gigs and things kind of snowballed. Uh, but that's where I started. So... Um did you do five-minute slots in pubs or was it a 10-minute set you were doing? or What was your first gig like and, and, and your first few gigs? Well, I was. I always think, like, the, the Northern Circuit is so different from doing it in London. Because yeah. in London, it's like when you start, it's a strict five minutes, sometimes even a strict three minutes for brand new comics. Whereas I sort of, from the very beginning, like the standard open spot where I was, was 10 minutes. So I was always doing kind of seven to 10 straight out of the, straight out of the gate, but it was all pub gigs. You know, it was open mics. It was that for a long, long, long time. Uh, and then occasionally, you know, I'd sniff at doing an open spot at one of the bigger clubs in Manchester. Right. I'd get the train down and I'd do the frog and bucket or excess malarkey and then I'd get the train back. Um, but it was a really great, I mean, I still think it's the best, the best, you know, if you want to be a comedian, I always think move up north. Like, it's so great. There's so many amazing gigs, amazing audiences. Um, oh, yeah. Have you, been, have you been to many shows near, your, near been, your homeland? I've been from to, um, Man, uh, uh, I go to Manchester a lot. I've got some friends in, I've, I've got a very good friend in Manchester with his wife and I, I, and, and I go to the comedy there a lot. I go to Newcastle a lot. Mm. Carlisle, my home city, is really up and coming. They they have the fire station and the sand centre. And yeah. uh, about, what, 
18 months ago I lost my mum and I, I, I was in a really low place and my brother said to me go to your comedy go to the comedy and the noise next door were on in Carlisle so I went and I sat at the back mm. with a solitary <clears throat> pint of beer all, all on my own and uh, they bounded on and they and, and they went hello Carlisle can anybody tell me what's good about Carlisle and somebody yelled out Carlisle United and then and then they said um can anybody tell me what's bad about carlisle and a friend of mine who i was not aware was there yelled out richard gill <laughs> <laughs> and they went oh my god is he here he's supposed to be in london you know so, i so just think that the, the, the thought of you ever sitting at the back of a gig, <laughs> sort of trying to be inconspicuous, because obviously I'm used to you being the king of the front row. Um, but yeah, it's around there is where I started. It's you know, I, it's a great part of the world, and I kind of uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, and the circuit's still pretty strong up there, certainly in the northwest. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, what do you like to talk about on stage? Um, I don't know if I have anything particular anymore. I used to only talk about myself. <laughs> for years <laughs> I was so for a while it was it, it, I think we've just come out of a phase where it was very kind of autobiographical and yeah. you know the more honest you were about yourself the better but now I sort of I'm so against that I, I you know all I want to talk about is things other than myself <laughs> so uh, anything that interests me I'll I'll try and talk about and uh you know, it always helps if you find a topic that other comics haven't done as much. But, uh, I'll, I'll do pretty much anything if I if I can. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's what that that's what I like about you. It's it it's the unpredictability of your act. It's 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 fantastic. It works so well every oh, time that's I see nice. it. It's really good and and very very original. Um, today. Oh, what, thank you. My pleasure. Um, today, what's been your worst comedy gig? I can't imagine you have many of them. Well, well, not anymore, but my, I mean, there was a lean few years, Rich, I tell you, there was, the dog and parrot is a very unforgiving place <laughs> to a to a teenager from Brighton. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, there's a few, I definitely think there was, there was, I, I'd say there's my sort of early to mid twenties were, I would call them the sort of sad open mic years where it felt like, I was never close to knocking on the door of being a professional. It took me so long. and I would, There was one in Portsmouth that always sticks in my mind where I think it was the final of a local competition and I was on first and I crashed. I just crashed and burned up there. And I basically walked off the stage and straight out the door. I didn't even want to see anyone. I was just so upset. And I missed the last train home. And I remember I, there was a train to a town called Littlehampton. Yeah, 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 I know it. Yeah. And I try and so I got there, but there was no trains left back to Brighton. So I tried to I think I tried to walk home I, from <laughs> Littlehampton to Brighton, which was about I looked it up about a week later, like it was doable, but it was it was it would have been I think it would have taken me five and a half hours if I'd taken the motorway and I'd gone along the beach and it was just hell. So that was probably the lowest. <laughs> I think that was probably the worst, the worst moment. Wow! Yeah, it remind it reminds me of the famous Ken Dodd story where uh, he he's on stage and he said and he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, Freud said," and he described what it was like to 
laugh. So it would start off here and it would work up and you would, it mm. would make a noise. And he went on for about five minutes and then at the end of it he said, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, Freud never played Glasgow Empire on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and when I write my blog, my blog... Well, that's said, it. And it's always... Yeah. Um, it's always there, I think. Yeah. That's the thing with... It never... I mean, it never leaves. It doesn't matter how how much better you get at comedy, how much more experience you get, the, the venues you get to play, the audiences you get to face. There's, there's just always a chance that it will absolutely it will just flatline. Yeah. And uh, it still rips the soul out of me a bit. I mean, I've got better at it, but uh, I, it still really hurts, but it doesn't go well. When I, when I uh, was writing the blog, when I first started, I went on a writing course and there was two or three other people with me mm -hmm. who were all wanting to be reviewers. And I got invited onto this, and the woman said, oh, um, wow. "We we forgot, we forgot about you. What what are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, I'm not a reviewer. I'm not a critique. I'm not a diarist. I'm a member of the audience, and I'm out to have a good time. So I always look at my blog as an enthuse because I always look at you all as heroes as you have to walk out and and do it. And and it's it's the most wonderful thing to watch. So that's why I enjoy myself so much." So thank you. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, the, the truth is the feeling is so mutual because I always think that audiences are are heroes, really. Like to, to, to take, especially to go to a lot of the, the places I play, you know, if you go to a weekend club, and, you know, obviously they have certain reputations, but most of the acts are still unknowns yeah, to, the, yeah. to the man on the street in those clubs. And, they're, yeah, they're high quality, but they're still unknown. And so for them to just go out and, give these people who they don't know their all yeah that's a, that's a great thing it you is. know i it think uh, and i think actually the more time you spend in comedy or in show business i think you a lot of people lose sight of what it is to actually be in an audience because now i i said it i i find it very hard to get into the head of anyone who would go and see comedy i thought yeah. like, why would anyone do this <laughs> that's that's um, fascinating because i mm. obviously love to go and i've been going for years and years and years and I can't imagine anybody going and not enjoying it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think it's the best form of live entertainment there yeah. is. Yeah. I think it's the most thrilling thing to see and to perform. And uh, yeah. But, you know, I guess different tastes, isn't it, for different yeah. people? Yeah. Um, do, you, do you have any nerves before you go on stage? And how do you cope with them if you do? It really depends. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm pretty okay. I'm okay most of the time now, but I think it's uh, it really it really depends. I mean, it used to be so bad. The nerves used to be so bad. I I remember like it was certainly the first sort of six months, first few gigs I did. I remember being on stage and being aware that I was actually shaking. Wow. <laughs> like a cartoon character. I remember thinking, oh, this is like this is like something in a film. Like you're so nervous that you're actually shaking. Wow, but, um, that's incredible. Yeah. And so uh, I think eventually you just you just do something enough and it becomes more routine and you don't get as nervous. But if it's a big gig, if I'm doing a lot of new stuff, yeah. if if you know yeah, the the nerves come, but I guess uh yeah, it's experience. It's the only substitute, really. I was just going to say, you have to keep going. It, it is experience. experience, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is experience. 
I think so. Yeah. I mean, I really, I don't think there's any secret. I think some people adapt to it better than others. Mm. I mean, there are there are many acts who never get over their nerves. I think or they really never do, and that's yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I remember thirty odd years ago. Um, uh, I was I, I first came to London and and I, I used to live Crouch End in North London and I used to go to the downstairs the King's Head a lot and I first saw Harry mm. Hill there and he was late for the gig and he jumped and he brushed past me he was really nervous and he 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 jumped up on stage and he said ladies and gentlemen I'm really sorry I'm late I had to have a testicle brought down and look with a look of panic on his face and everybody burst out laughing and he went from Derby and he was away <laughs> it was okay. it was such a good line and he was away with his, so he, he what a comedian he, what a he, comedian he, oh he was superb he, he, he was really funny and of course he is mm -hmm. now um how do you remember all your routines on stage do you have a way of remembering them all do you know what I don't um It's not something that's ever been a problem. No, I, don't, I yeah, it's never been a problem for me. I think whenever I'm doing like a, a preview of a new show or new material, I'll, I'll have bullet points on note on a notepad with me because usually that's allowed. Yeah. But for the most part, I I practice a lot. I you know I rehearse. I not even deliberately. I'll just I'll repeat lines again and again. Yeah. My wife. Yeah. My wife always says she can tell. She says she just hears me just talking to myself and she always knows that it's, I'm going over my nude. But I view it like... Um, I view it like remembering a song that you really like, you know. I never sit down and actually try and learn the lyrics to songs that I love, but eventually they just... You just learn... They just come because you spend so much time with them. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Mm. My, my, my favourite band, The Madness, and I know every song. <laughs> is that right yeah <laughs> now let me tell you let me tell you a song by madness that i've been listening to loads of recently and that's a song called uh michael kane yeah 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 what that song feels very under underrated because it it was a bit of a hit but it's not in the same vein as their other stuff i think that's a brilliant song it's a great song and they they uh, he wanted to be on the record with them he requested they write a song about him and they put it on the album Keep Moving, which is a very underrated album of theirs. They are, um, that's interesting, man. A Madness are a band that I wish I knew a bit more about, because I know they released that, I mean, this is not a Madness out an interview, I'm aware. But you're probably the guy who asked. What was <laughs> oh, the album they released? Madness all night. <laughs> there was an album they released a few years ago that was viewed as like it's their greatest album where they'd done it late in their careers. And it was all about London. Liberty what was it called? It had sugar and spice game. on it. The That's it. And it felt to me like that album, it should have just become a musical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, met them at HMV, uh, I met all seven of them and they signed my copy of it and I said to them, I haven't queued this long until I, since I saw you in, at Carlisle Market Hall in 1979, I tried to get in to the two-tone tour and I couldn't get in and all seven of them stood up and went, God bless you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love them. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, Let's go on to Edinburgh. Uh, what was your first Edinburgh Fringe like? Okay. 
the first one ever, or is a solo act? Or the first either? one you went to and your first solo show? Now, that's the first one I went to. I just visited in two thousand and eight or nine. And I'd been doing a bit of stand-up and not loads, but I knew that I eventually wanted to go up there and that was the place to be. And loads of people built their years around it, even people at my level, which was a very low level. Yeah. Um, and I just went up for a few days and I just thought it was the most, I just thought it was the most intoxicating, brilliant place I'd ever been. I, I sort of... I could I could have believed a, a, an event like that took place, um, and I still don't really. I mean, I, I actually that, that's one thing. I, I, I think if there's a if I have a problem with the Edinburgh Fringe, it's that not enough people really know yeah. quite what an amazing event we have in this country. Like it is so unlike anything else on earth. Um, it is, uh, and and I just think that nothing beats that first time. I think nothing beats the first time you go to the festival because it's just like. Uh, it's like you go to the Moulin Rouge or something like that. It's just like otherworldly. Um, and I just did a few guest spots and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it definitely lit a fire in me. And then my first solo show was, I'd done a few, you know, I'd done a few double headers up there and I'd done a couple of the package shows. Yeah. Sort of in subsequent years, all pretty low level stuff. And it was 2013 and I was 25 years old. And I... Um, I was just, I just wanted to do an hour. I was just desperate to go up and do an hour. And I didn't have an agent and I didn't have a PR and I didn't have any money. Uh, I didn't have all the stuff that people said you needed to have, but uh, I was just desperate. So I did it on the free fringe uh, in Espionage, yes, which was yeah, a, yeah. a legendary free fringe venue for a while. I think it's closed down now. Yeah. Um, and I just loved it. I loved it and I, I just and I just got into that cycle of just I just thought well I'll you know my career is you know there's something here but it's not clicking for whatever reason but if I just keep going to Edinburgh every year and try to do a new show and make each show a bit better than the one before you know maybe that's a good way to build a build a career that's brilliant um, because um I I first went in 2005 and I and I remember mm. thinking to myself if I go, I know I'm going to go every year since, and I have done. So I, I got to my 16th year mm. as a member of the audience um, in 2019, and of course the, the desperately wasn't one last year. Um, but but you're right, it's like the, yeah. as soon as you step off the train, the atmosphere, it just hits you, and it's incredible. It really is. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, it's a city that is so easy to love anyway. Yeah. And then to throw to throw in the biggest cultural event on earth. I mean it's sort of it's 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 it, it's the type of thing. I mean I don't know how the festival I think the festival survives of course after all this and it yeah. will you know it will get back to yes. it might not be what it was but it will be still a huge amazing thing. Yeah. But I always think like God, if I have grandkids one day or even children and I explain to them what it was like, they're probably not going to believe me because <laughs> it sounds unbelievable. <laughs> oh, it it is, sounds like the Rio Car it's like the Rio Carnival or yeah, something like yeah, that, but it's yeah. happening in Britain. Yeah. Uh, I, I I go up 
I always go the middle week of August and there's about four or five friends of mine come up with me mm. and I see about 50 shows. I plan everything I'm going to see and I, I'm exhausted at the end of it and my liver's battered with beer mm. and everything, but it's just the best time. It's And, and you know, sit me in the Pleasance Courtyard with a pint yeah. of Guinness and a fringe guide and... It's just incredible. It's just amazing. The the atmosphere and the shows, it's it's an extraordinary thing. Yeah, and I, I you know, it can really be tough emotionally. Yeah. And I've definitely, you know, I've all, it's always treated me okay. You know, I, I think my only bona fide hit was probably my last show. The right. others all did fine, but that was, my 2018 show was my last one I did up there. I missed 2019. And I, I sort of view it now as like, well, if that's the last time I go to Edinburgh in this kind of phase of my life, because, you know, we're missing two, you know, missing so many festivals in between. I go, at least I went out on a high because uh, yeah. I have nothing but fond memories for that place and for that yeah. for that festival. Uh, you've appeared in many acclaimed solo shows at the Fringe. Tell me about your writing process. Where do you get your ideas from? Um, I, I just, uh, I just, I just always write lots of stand up, and then I just sort of figure out the bits that I really like and that I keep coming back to and adding to, to I tend to sort of subconsciously realize, oh, well, this is probably what I want the show to be about or, yeah. or to take up big parts. But really I, I view most of my shows as just hours of stand up. I mean, I, I try not to... I don't. I don't really overcomplicate it. I don't try and prove any points or anything like that. You know, I I, I try to stand up and make it a bit bigger and make it so it all fits together. Do um, you? Do you, do you carry a notebook? And really, so really, it comes from the jokes. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Do you? Yeah. Do you carry? A um, I do. I. Sorry. Oh, um, yeah, I, yeah, I do. I yeah. do carry a notebook with me. Yeah. Yeah. And do you write them down? I as do, you yeah. Get them, the ideas, um, and I do type it out, and I do type stuff out. Right. Yeah, and so I type got, stuff out, yeah. and I I move bits around and like word processors and stuff like that, and I try and experiment with orders and different structures all the time. Um, but you perform it, it changes, and then you go back, and it's there's no um, it's such a strange um. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm disciplined because I'm quite you know you have to work work hard but it's yeah. that I don't have a process no, like no. I don't have a there's no formula it's just you know chaos I think I think your type of comedy uh, if there's no process I think that's better for it because as I say it's the originality and, and you never know what you're going to do next which I love Oh, that's good. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I do still think at the core, it's just the, uh, the, the jokes that I love. I love writing stand up and, and figuring bits out. And then, and then I guess once you have all the stuff and you can just figure out the best way to perform it all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, really fun process. And I think it's the part of, of stand up that I miss the most is, is, is working on those big project shows, like working on a new tour show, working on a new Edinburgh show. It was such a, 
yeah, that's what I miss. Yeah, really. yeah. Um, you supported Ricky Gervais on his international humanity tour, and have supported Bill Burr at the Royal Albert Hall, as well as Doug Stanhope and Catherine Ryan. Tell me about these experiences. Um, well, uh, Catherine Ryan was a fair few years ago now when uh, she was really breaking through mm-hmm. and uh, I was my representation at the time was also her live representation. Both of us had the same basic live book, as right. did a few acts. And so we kind of, there was a rotation of her tour supports and I was lucky enough to be one of them. And she was just, uh, she was just so magnificent. I mean, she's so, uh, still one of the best stand-ups I think I've ever seen or worked with. Such a pro. And like, this was in sort of 2014. So this was sort of, frankly, it was the, I was able to become a professional comedian partly because of being able to do a few of these tour supports with her. Right. And it was a great tour that other people would and then I'd come back onto the tour for a little bit and you could just feel that she'd got so, she was getting bigger by the day like she was getting more and more popular um, and now she's you know one of the biggest stars in the country she is yeah yeah and still one of the best comics yeah um, and then I opened for I opened for Gervais sort of uh, I was I, I, I basically on the humanity tour I was the sec- again the second choice I was the runner you know if the main guy Dot Brown couldn't do it I would get called in right and it was brilliant you know I loved it and so we played so I got to play like in Copenhagen and in Iceland and uh, and then he went on to do another tour and I was Dot Brown was moving away from stand-up so I've been opening for him right, right up until lockdown basically I was opening for him on all of those dates um, and it's, I mean, it's great. I can't, I can't really put it out any other way. It's, it's a, it's a, a thoroughly pleasurable job. Was it, um, was it daunting with the bigger audiences? Did you find it daunting at all? It was a hugely, it was, it was a, I think I've ever had as a stand-up, if I'm honest. Wow. Was playing those sort of rooms because it's such a, you know, you go on and a lot of the time, you know, the, the rooms, they're not, they're not full yet. People are kind of coming in. They're, none of them are there for you. Most, <laughs> most of them hate the fact you even exist. And so you sort of have to go, all right, well, I've got, I've got 20, 25 minutes here. And you go, well, the first seven to 10, you know, it's going to be hard to get that much going because a lot, a lot of people are just finding their seats. Yeah. But I, I, you know, you just figure out how to do it. And some of the, you know, genuinely some of the, probably some of the best nights of my, of my life, of my career have been doing those tour shows. Wow. And I'm really proud of, of, uh, of being able to do those gigs. And Well, well done you, because they're big, big names. And, and I think obviously the more people that, that, again it's down to experience the more mm-hmm. experience you get of the bigger tours as well makes you a better comedian yeah uh yeah i think so mm-hmm. um i mean i feel so lucky i i, I basically have this yeah you know, back when i was sort of you know 20 2019 2020 it was 
it was just, it's such a such a nice career because I would have those sort of moments where I play these very big glamorous yeah. gigs, but also I was still doing a lot of the club gigs, the sort of London open mic, new material stuff. I was previewing new shows. You know, it was a very varied existence, and that's what I like. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not like it's not like I play big theatres and go, well, then I'm doing stand up no matter where it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, if any, what is your ambition as a comedian? Would you like uh, to uh, be on TV? Would you like your own chat show? Would you like to do a quiz show? Um, is there anything that being a comedian, the fact that you're a comedian, you think you could be able to achieve other than stand-up? Well, at the moment, I mean, it's hard to even answer that because my... from. You know, world domination yeah, yeah. to in the real world, uh, yeah. <laughs> to like, well, let's just see if I've still got a, a career, of, you know, in six yeah, months. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, like, I, I'm at a point where if, if things could have stayed exactly where they were going into this for the rest of my life, I'd have been very, very, very happy, you know. Uh, I have ambitions, but all of them come down to I just want to keep working and keep being able to live a nice life and yeah. be creative and still pay my bills. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's hard to, it's hard to put it, you know, I'm not, I'm not the, um, you know, it's, there's loads of stuff I want to do, but I don't have that, you know, some comics you meet and some people you meet who the ambition is all they've got. And for me, you know, I, I'm happy to take the scenic route. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's been such an awful time for everybody that, um, mm. you know, I, ju I just wish you every success because oh, thanks, when you man. see such a great talent like yourself, you're just willing them to do so well, you know, and, and you will, it will get better. That There is no doubt the, the comedy scene will become live again, touch wood very soon. And, uh, we'll, 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 we'll be able to see you again. Um, we're all living in strange times. It's been an absolutely horrible uh, 18 months. Um, mm. How have you found, have you done any online gigs? How have you found online gigs as opposed to live stand-up? Um, I've been very pleasantly surprised with them. Mm. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I thought they were a, a novelty that was sort of a bit fun for people to... <laughs> go and see and for us to perform at and kind of a nice way of building up a bit of a connection with people early on uh, and actually now I, I mean I, I bet that they I bet a lot of them stick around even when the venues are reopening and stuff because there's such a I mean they're so convenient for everyone involved I mean yeah. that's what the main thing is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. comedians don't have to travel and audiences don't have to go out um, nothing replaces live. Nothing ever will. No. no. Um, but it's they've been. I've enjoyed them. My my view on. I'm pretty sure you. I'm pretty sure I've seen you at a couple of these, right? I think. Yeah. yeah. I go. I, I go to a lot. If 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 online comedy hadn't existed, if this hadn't existed, I don't know how I'd have got through lockdown. Mm. But. Um, uh, uh, I go to Always Be Comedy uh, three times a week. I go to mm. Return of the Crack, the Jarlath Regan 
That's it. You talked about madness there, didn't you? Yeah, I go there every Friday. Uh, Boothby Graffo's playing every every Thursday. I love him. Or I go to Maureen Younger's chat show. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I go to a Saturday night one. So I do go quite a bit to them. Uh, Happy Mondays is another one with Sean James. That's a very good one. But um, when they when they first started off, there was no audio. So when 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 I started laughing, I thought I was going to be taken away because I was just going to be I was just laughing at four walls. <laughs> and then some it was it, it was always be comedy. James Gilley had the bright idea of having like a virtual front row, which yeah. helped enormously for the comedians because with all the timing and everything with the laughter and and they could chat to the comedians and you know the the fact that there was a bit of atmosphere there helped enormously but i'm with you i cannot you can't be live it's 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 a superb substitute but i really miss going out on a saturday night having a few beers and then watching a comedy show yeah 100 percent, 100 it's 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 definitely been like a yeah, it's definitely I, I've 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 enjoyed it though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I think as well the fact that it is online, um, it is useful, and I think it will continue when live venues open. I agree with that because there are so many people who may not be able to get to comedy clubs, and it's accessible to them. So, yeah, I, yeah, I'm fascinated to know how the major clubs use this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know Hot Water and I assume a few others that already have camera setups in their Friday, Saturday night clubs. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, it wouldn't take that much to just start streaming them and charging a little bit. Yeah. Make a bit more money for the club, make a bit more money for the acts. I think you're make, right. Promote, promote the nights more, give yeah. more people access. Did you do any outdoor gigs when you were able to? I did loads. I did everything I could get my grubby bits on. I did... Uh, <laughs> Because. I did everything. So, 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 were you there with the cars honking the horns instead of laughing? Yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> I did that. I did one. That was my first gig back. Right. Uh, it was in mid July. Right. And what? And it was and just was such. Like? It was. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. And I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know if they'll last. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I do think they're interesting. It's just a lot of the outdoor gigs, because you're able to get so many people there, obviously yeah. they all spread out, but there was still a, it felt like stand-up. <laughs> Whereas with the car ones, it's something else now. Um, but... You know, I don't. I, you play it, you play the gig, and you and you make it fun. And it's it's one of those weird things. We go, well, here's a skill I didn't think I'd ever need, and yeah, now yeah. I have it. I yeah. I can play to a car park in Enfield. We went we went to the Greenwich Comedy Festival, and uh, we were there all day. And there was about a thousand people in the garden, and but mm. they were all socially distanced. So I was way back. And I was laughing as loud as I could, but I thought they're not going to be able to hear me. <laughs> but it was still good because it was live, you know. And and but it works. It works. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting mm. to see what does happen. Um, who are your favourite comedians, past and present? Um, 
I mean, when I was growing up, the people I loved were like, I mean, they weren't even stand-ups. They were like Harry Enfield and Mike Myers. And those were the reasons I got into comedy. I just thought, I just thought these these crazy these crazy guys on telly were just so funny. Um, but as for just, I mean, really, I work with so many great stand-ups and I've seen so many great stand-ups. Catherine's always been one of my favourites. Yeah. I love John Kearns. Yeah. I love Sarah Keyworth yeah. and Chloe Petz. Um, I mean, loads, really. I mean, ge- genuinely, I'm always the worst guy to ask that. Like, if... <laughs> If we're ever at the Edinburgh Fringe or anything, I'm the worst guy to ask for recommendations because I just am always like, I love it. All. I'm always, I just, it takes a lot for me to not like an act. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like that. But if I've got a group of friends who want to go for a comedy night, mm. having seen so many comedians, um, they always come back to me and say I've had a great night because I, I, I can, I can judge quite well whether or not my friends are going to like a comedian or not it's it's weird because comedy is so subjective Mm. but but i think other than just delivering a gag or talking to an audience if there's something more with the comedian they're endearing or they're crazy or they're very visual or whatever it is that's a very attractive quality in an act yeah, a hundred percent. I guess you're in a way you're like one of those uh, one of those people who uh, runs a wine shop, and they have a very small but exclusive clientele, and you just <laughs> you know exactly what wine they need. You know. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, before you were a comedian like me, did you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? Um. I went to a few. I went to a few. Um, yeah, I mean, I started when I was so young, I suppose. So I sort of, much of the early stand-up I saw was was, just, was at the gigs that I was at. Um, but I used to go to gigs, um, sometimes like for my birthday, my parents would get me tickets to see a comedian. Yeah. Uh, in Brighton they'd be like I think I went to see Alan Carr years ago before he was famous and um, I remember I went to see the Fast Show live or something that was brilliant yeah yeah Yeah. at the uh, it was a Hammersmith Apollo I saw it I saw him at the Brighton Centre it would have been I think that was their big goodbye tour wasn't it yeah 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 and then occasionally me and my friends I, I, I remember at least a couple of times uh, when we were sort of in sixth form, 17, 18, and we were, you know, getting into bars and stuff, we'd go to see kind of local open mic kind of level stuff in Brighton. Yeah. And it was... So, <laughs> it was so fascinating to us because it was just like... It was just... It felt so adult. <laughs> And it's like I'm so glad that I'd experienced those things as a punter. Yeah, yeah. Because you because you go to the big shows and they're always great and slick. But then when you go to the smaller ones, it's like going to see bands or anything like that. It's like yeah, a lot of them are quite not poor, but like you know, it's it's a scrappy amateur night. 
But then occasionally you'd, we'd have acts that we just loved and we just were obsessed with. And I think that in that way that only a teenager can be. Uh, so yeah, I, I wish I'd great. gone to more. I really, I mean, that's one thing. I, I think it's, it, it, once you've crossed the Rubicon, I'll never be able to go to a comedy show and truly enjoy it the way an audience member does. Yeah. Because I think it just, my mentality is different now. I, to I totally agree with you because one of the things I love, especially writing the blog, is watching all the comedians develop because there's so many who have who I saw in in tiny venues, uh, uh, especially at Edinburgh or in Manchester or in Brighton, uh, where at the Comedia. Um, one that comes to mind is Peter Kay. Um, I saw him. I first mm. saw him at a little tiny club in Manchester called the Jabez Clegg, which is no longer. And he was mm. on a bill of five acts. And he was fourth on, and I laughed so hard at him, I missed the fifth act, I was still laughing. And I said to my mate, he's going to be a superstar. And we, we then watched, we saw him at um, the, uh, where the Halley play in Manchester, and then he did the big tours, we saw him at Hammersmith Apollo. But of course, Felix, Phoenix Knights, I absolutely loved coming from the north. You know, it was mm. such a great um, series. Well, I had Justin Moorhouse on here the other day, and he was telling me all about how it began. But, oh, wow. You know, it was extraordinary. I um, think that's such a... I think it's one of the best sitcoms... Oh, yeah. ...this yeah. country's ever produced. Yeah. And it's yeah. sort of strangely forgotten. Like, I think people don't really... Well, a lot think, of the sitcoms of that era sort of remembered, yeah. whereas that one seems to... I think it's so good. It's easily as good as any of the others that yeah. were being made at that time. I think I think the year it was made, it was the same year as The Office, which is equally as brilliant, if not yeah. better. But I agree. I think... I, 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 I know it was big at the time, but but I agree with you. Uh, um, but I can recall episodes and lines and... You know, it's just it's just an ex and the cast was superb. Mm -hmm. um, but 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 the reason I asked the two questions about your favourite comedians and uh, you go to the audience. There's a section in my blog called the ones that got away, and I've written the twenty five comedians who have either passed on or I just haven't had a chance to see. And there's some absolute gems in there. Morecambe and Wise were my very favourite. They're the re mm. reason why I do comedy. But the first gig I ever saw in the 70s was Les Dawson. And then Tommy oh, wow. Cooper and the two Ronnies and Ken Dodd. And I thought, I wrote it all down and I thought, I've got something here. I, I had this great long list. And then I just started adding it. And that's how the blog came along. For me, they've got so many memories. And that's why I asked the questions. It's, 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 it's fascinating, um, you know, the names that different comedians pull out. It's 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 extraordinary. One of the one of the highlights I saw was Rick Mail in Carlisle. He he played Carlisle and he was extraordinary. His trousers mm. exploded. He threw a member of the audience out. It was it was it was amazing. And I thought, how can you get this? And to see the comedians like yourself, as I say, the originality from it, from your act, is is extraordinary. Um, just before we go, and I've much enjoyed talking to you i really have and i wish you every success um is there anything else you'd like to say is there any are you writing anything uh is there any podcasts that you're on um where can people find you on social media anything like that 
Uh, I'm on all the regular social medias. Yeah. It's at, at Sean McLaughlin, yeah. which is... Uh, well, I guess people will be able to see my name. I mean, that's always been a problem, I think. <laughs> I have the second most popular spelling of both of those, both my first name and surname. Um, but it's worth, you know, that means if people do find me on social media, they must really want to. So that's nice. Uh, I'm on there, I'm on Instagram, Sean McLaughlin Comedian. Um, I guess I'll plug my albums. I've got a couple of comedy albums. Please do, yeah. You can listen to them on Spotify. You can buy them. You can wherever you stream or buy music, you can get them. Uh, and I've got a shows on YouTube. I've got my last Edinburgh shows on YouTube. So yeah, it's called Hail Mary. Give it, give it a watch if you fancy. And it's brilliant. I have. Oh, seen thank it. you. It is brilliant. Oh, thank you. Uh, but other than that, just oh, the only thing I'd plug is your blog, Rich, you're because it's you, you're the you're the kindling. That is going to get the comedy fire back. Yes, the Let's. support is there, my friend. <laughs> my God, come on. We, we need comedy back. Cause it, I mean, the year that we've had, it's just been, oh, you know. And mm. So you just need to get it back, keep going to the comedy, and, the, and I'll support you all for as long as I can. And I really look forward to seeing you live again soon, my friend. Yes, I look forward to seeing you either at an online gig or hopefully at one in person. Definitely. Thank you mm. so much for your time. I've much enjoyed it. And all the very best to you. Thank you so much, Rich. Take care of yourself.